dear listeners, to episode 35 of the Empty Rooms of Gorsky Manor. Into the cellars of Gorsky Manor, our path has led us, brought within by a wise man of pale green, Gregor, so named by my intuition from his asking. I, left alone at the top of the old wooden skeleton stairs, door locked firmly behind my back, deep darkness all I could see before me, and there, far below, only one small flickering light suggesting the way I am to go. I had knocked upon the door, called out by whispers through the keyhole, pounded with my back a few times, as I had done as a little child, then calling for my grandmother to open her door so I could come in as she lived upstairs above us in our haunted house of my great-grandmother. But here, in the manor, no one came to my gentle cry. Where was Gregor? Where was Simon? And where was Feathers? One who I could truly rely upon whispered in answer, No, below. Boys had thankfully shared, this small response helping me to feel slightly better in my aloneness, times I usually do not seek out for myself. I looked down into the darkness to the little shining point of light, peeking from the inside of the pit hole leading downwards from the cellar floor. I had felt that was the way to go, a magical feeling of synchronistic confirmation that had brought a new confidence within, as I felt my shoulder tightened with the resolve of curiosity. And then from the depths of the pits, I heard the gentle tinkle of poppet bells once again. Something awaits me if poppets be there. I felt stronger. I gave one more rattle to the doorknob, ready to walk back down the rickety stairs, when my memory shared this insight. Skeleton keys! Oh, yes, some time ago I had received a set of manor skeleton keys. When was that? I can't seem to remember. I felt in my pocket, and there they were. I needed some light to see, so I lit the green candle Gregor had left for the shadow creatures, still placed here at the top of the stairs, its green light still jarring to witness, 
in a deep, mystical way. I took the keys and began, one by one, to try them within this lock. One, two, three, oh, no luck. I stopped for a moment to listen for any noises below, the keys being rather loud, clinking and echoing in the lock, catching who knows whose ear. I tried the fourth key, five, six, seven. Oh my, I'm starting to run out of keys. Then eight and nine. Come on, one has to work. Ten. And the tumblers turned loudly with lots of creaking and clanging. And with a twist to the doorknob, the door swung open easily with no further effort. I felt confused, which surprised me. I was very glad to be released from my entrapment, but disappointed that I now have to make a big choice, one that I had thought had been made for me, to return up into the manor to look for my friends or follow the new unknown trail offered down into the darkness. I walked out into the long hall, feeling the dampness of the cellar release from my body as the warmer, drier air of the manor enveloped me with a hug. An open window at both ends of this hall caught my attention. The cause of the wind I had felt earlier flowed down to me below. The storm still sounded outside, but gently, soothingly, I walked to close the first window and looked outside. The gardens were there below, covered in winter snow, now melting by the warmer rain. I walked to the other open window. This window opened to a small enclosed courtyard, far below that I could not see very well, it being hidden in the shadows. Rows and rows of windows lined the walls of the courtyard, with lights on in a few of them. Ooh, I wonder why. Who may be within those rooms, and what reason for their being there? I felt so conflicted, so many choices. Up until now, the path within the manor had been rather straightforward. One way to go, one way straight ahead. It would be so interesting to find those lit rooms, discover whom now walk there, obviously restless inside. Yet the pull from the pit below was oh so much stronger. I had listened within, to how these choices made me feel inside. Thank you, self. I have worked with those energies, remembering to be silent enough to hear and feel within, 
trying to really sense these energies, trying so very hard. But now, here in this present moment, I felt into this decision, and it actually answered with no effort. The answer was just there, in an instant, in that secret, special place, an ancient secret shared and finally understood. Do not try so hard. Let it flow with calmness. The words serenity and tranquility flashed before my mind. Word magic to be read with the runes. But later, as I walked back to the cellar door, I looked down a few halls, opened a few doors, looking for my companions. I even called out to them, but all remained quiet, and me, I remained alone. I set an intention into the ether. Simon, feathers, please come back. I miss your dear company. That was all I could do for now. At the cellar door, I stayed firm to my decision. I want to explore the pit. I lit my candle from Gregor's green one and started down the stairs, leaving the door open and the green candle burning, hoping the little black shadows would see it again and give it one more try to find their freedom. As I reached the cellar floor at the bottom of the stairs, a shiver ran through my body. It was so chilly and damp down here. I hope the shiver was only from the dampness. To the opening of the pit, I inched slowly and held out my candle to see what it held. I could see stairs, old and rickety as the upper stairs are. These stairs went straight down, five steps, then turned. Five steps more, and then another turn, down into darkness. And no more could I see farther. Staring into the darkness for a few uncertain moments, I glanced back down the cellar tunnel for any movement or sounds. Nothing stirred. Okay, let's go. Time to go. I'm going, I told my legs, but they just stood there. This is what you chose. Just take that first step. Trust in what was shared with you. Oh, okay, that did it. My trust in my guides, and most of all, my higher self. I am actually never alone and I took that first step down. I waited to be certain the stairs would hold my weight. All was good, and down I went, step by step to the first landing. I turned and shined my light downwards. Still, only wooden stairs to be seen. 
down to the next landing I went, then another, and another. How deep is this cellar? How many steps have I taken? Twenty? Twenty-five? And then I heard, I heard a song. Sing me my story, sing me my tale. Over the waves of madness, over the towards the sound, like that urgency you feel in a theater when the show has started and you are not yet in your seat. Poppet bells chimed within the clatter distinctly, drawing me forward to them. I quickened my pace, finally reaching the bottom of these steps. I stood in a stairwell, that opened into a short hall of plain, plastered walls and stone slab floors. A single red door waited at the other end, closed tight. As I started forward, I remembered the little candlelight I had seen from above in the cellar. I had not seen it during my descent. I returned to the stairwell, 
keeping my candle light behind me, peering into the shadows to see if I could see what that light had been. At first, all was just dark, so curious. Then I saw it on the last step over to the far side. I could see a white glow. I walked over to it and was so shocked to see a white feather. <gasps> Feathers! I couldn't help saying her name out loud. My dear friend, she had not deserted me, for that was the sadness that was growing within my heart. She and Simon had come this way. This was a big surprise to me, for I had felt certain they would have gone back up into the manor. Yet this was a wonderful realization oh, that greatly soothed my heart. I wanted to take this path with them and now will keep my awareness open for signs of their passing as I proceed. I tucked her feather into a pocket near my heart and walked back into the hallway to the single red door. The music played again. How odd, how odd I thought. Yet as I listened, a different voice sung. I listened intently. Yes, the singer is different. I tried the doorknob of the red door, and to my relief it turned with the squeak of something that had not been opened for some time, but was still willing to oblige. I pulled the door open with some effort, and holding my candle as far as I could in front of me, sent its light forward to illuminate what was to be seen. And what met my curiosity was a large room of clutter. But such clutter, such things that filled my mind with memories, for it be full of decorations, carnival things of old, props and scenery of the stage, wooden furniture of all kinds piled one on top of another, racks of costumes and open boxes overflowing with such odd things that wanted to be touched. The ceiling above was lower here, made of thick planks of wood, with many trap doors with large hooks and hinges of rusty metal placed at equal intervals across the ceiling. The smell was so very musty, almost hard to breathe, as if no fresh air has been welcomed within these walls for unknown ages. Loud footsteps walked across the ceiling, making me stop and hold my breath, thinking 
of the dark spirit with keys that I had just avoided in the cellar hall. But I did not hear that eerie jangle of those keys. I patted my skeleton keys in my pocket for comfort, with thanks and gratitude to whom had given them to me. Funny, I still can't remember who or when I received them. Hmm. Well, I slowly made my way through the maze. The room itself was immense. Soon I lost track of the door. I felt my fear of being lost come to life. Though this would be a most interesting place to be lost for a time. I listened for puppets. I watched for a sign of Simon and Feathers. But nothing. A different voice floated down, muffled from above. A man this time, different tones, singing words I could just not make out. And the clapping came again, and then I saw movement towards one corner of this room. My candlelight could not reach that far into the gloom. I moved closer, quietly knowing my candle would be seen before I would. But by who? I felt a hand upon my shoulder and screamed with fright, turning quickly, almost dropping my candle. The line is back there. A young, extremely thin man whispered, pointing a surprisingly pudgy finger to the other corner of the room. I clutched my broom in front of me for protection and started to inch my way backwards. I promptly bumped into something cold and fleshy that I found myself being sucked within. I flayed my hands as best I could, trying to keep my balance, feeling I could not let myself be caught within this alarming mass. I managed to shift away and move against a cabinet to stop and settle my fall. Catching my breath, I focused my eyes to what my little candle now showed me. There, against the wall, stood a long row of ghosts. All stood there, patient. So many sad, staring eyes, all looking to me without a blink. None made a move, all holding firm to their place within the line, each seeing me see them. In unison, they all pointed a finger to the back of the line. The line is back there, the young, extremely thin man whispered again, still pointing in the same direction as the rest. Come, he said. I don't think so. 
I moved my candle towards the front of the line, and I could just see, in the distant corner, a spiral staircase circling upwards, totally full of ghosts, each tightly squeezed against the one in front of them, each tightly squeezed by the one behind. I could hear a new voice above sing its song. All turned their heads upwards, their attention focused to this voice, listening intensely. When this voice ended and the clapping began, they all silently shifted back to look at the one before them, each now moving one space forward. I had no understanding of what was going on, but my gut told me, don't get stuck within the line. One does not get out until your turn is taken up the spiral stairs. I felt so sad for these souls, yet there was a hope within their patient waiting. I slowly backed away from the thin man who soon lost interest in me, shuffling down the line to find his place at the end. My heart went out to him. Could I help him, I wondered. I started to follow him, but he suddenly faded away so quickly into the darkness. Is there a better way to help these souls, a quicker way? Yet that may not be the right way. I felt it best to leave them for a time, for they did not actually feel to be lost. I quietly made my way as far away as I could get from the line. I felt a tickle in my breast pocket. Then again... I reached inside to Feather's feather. It wiggled in my grasp. I held it in my open palm, and it floated a few inches above it to gently begin to spin. The image of a compass was shared from the knowing as I watched this magical doing. And then it stopped, pointing northeast as I felt I now face the north. A compass can help you on your path. When you feel doubt of the path or yourself, I listened inside and didn't really feel doubtful. The new path was true, following it slowly and thoughtfully. The feather fell back onto my palm silent and still. I placed it back within my heart pocket and cast my candle in that direction, the direction suggested, for I felt it was a choice, not the only way to go. Here in this prop room of the Manor Theater, for that is where I was, I kept getting flashes of a balloon clown face 
big and round, gaping, smiling face of the sort you would see in a carnival at the turn of the 19th century. This one, not scary, but holding an ambiance that it could be very frightening indeed. So far, I have not seen one. Is that what I seek? Yet I trusted in feathers and started off in the northeast direction that was shared. One must be grateful for assistance when it is offered. I slowly zigzagged through the maze of things. What fun must have been had with them? That excitement energy surged as I touched this one and that. Some sadness be there. Sadness for being left and no longer used. Memories of it fading more and more each day. The singing and clapping and stomping up above did not cease. It flowed on and on. I so wanted to see what was happening up there, just above my head. I began to search the ceiling. It was honeycombed with trap doors, some with an elevator of sorts in different positions of opening below them. Could I crawl up one? But most were rusty and very precarious looking, very unsafe. Above had to be the stage, not a hard conclusion to come to. Isn't there a director's cage, a box that the director could observe the actors from, yet not be seen by the audience? There must be one. Thank you, listeners, for being here with me in this tale. Your energy and companionship is a comfort. It feels good to not be alone. And then I saw it, up against the wall. Yes, the northeast direction. A ladder hung there, going straight up to a sort of open box. The top was open into the ceiling, a chair waiting within the box. Thank you, dear feathers. I made my way quickly to the ladder and shook it a few times to test if it was strong and sturdy. It felt safe. I made the climb with ease, only feeling the wobble in my legs from the height just as I reached the box. I crawled inside and stood up on the chair. Inside was sliding doors with wooden slates that I could peer through. Before me was a stage, and behind me was the audience. I had to cover my mouth to what I saw. A full audience of ghosts and creatures, shadows, and other unknown things, all looking toward me, creating a strong feeling of fear. Stage fright, perhaps? As I looked to the audience, there in the front row, I could see the balloon clown face, spirit, looking, looking at me. I had to remind myself I was hidden in the stage box. 
None could see me. I hoped and told that to myself. I did remember this place immediately as I turned to look at the stage. It felt as if only a moment ago I was here, over there, under the stairs that led to the manor chapel. The stage had a beautiful floor of polished wood, very clean, as the nursery was compared to the dust and cobwebs in most other rooms of the manor. Curtains of gold with tassels of emerald green, a spotlight of pale green waited in the center of the stage, empty at this moment. I thought of Gregor, the spirit of the green flame. Where had he and my companions gone? That empty pang rising strongly again within my stomach and throat. Yet I felt so at home here, within the manor, within its theater of souls. I wanted to step onto that stage. I wanted to sing my song. Then I heard footsteps. I looked this way and that, trying to see from where they came. I saw the curtain move, flowing as if in slow motion, outwards, then inwards. The steps continued closer, slightly shuffling, and then a hand of white came from behind the curtain and pulled it to one side, far enough to see a slight figure standing there. An eerie, soft gasp came from the audience, causing the figure to hesitate. Her dark eyes stared straight ahead as she slowly glided her head from side to side, way too far in each direction than physically possible, seemingly not to find what she sought. She slowly shuffled into the pale green spotlight. Music began to play. Her mouth opened, opened way too wide, and her song began. She did not move, her body or her jaw, as if frozen. Her earthly song quivered out to all here in the theater. her mouth and stood silent. I could feel a wave of response flow from the audience, like a wave on the sea from one side to the other, spiraling to the back 
and with a rush forward up on the stage and into the little frail ghost. I could visibly see her hit by the energy, almost knocking her off her feet. But she stood firm, recovered, as the audience of specters clapped their approval. She looked to them, brought her thin hands to her heart, bowing slightly, and sending her hands out to them in gratitude and knowing. The pale green light turned paler, growing stronger, growing wider, until I could just see her there within it. She lifted slightly from the floor, stretching her hands upwards, reaching for something she so desired. Up she passed, fading away, and then she was gone. The spotlight returned to its pale green glow. The clapping ended. All grew silent until I heard shuffling from below. Then again, I heard footsteps, this time heavy, one foot being dragged after the other. I saw the curtain move again in its slow motion, outwards then inwards. The steps continued. The hand of white came from behind the curtain and pulled it to one side, far enough to see a large, furry figure, possibly a man, standing there this time. I watched the ritual unfold again. Into the spotlight he went, his song he shared, the audience made their decision, for that is how it felt, that is how it flowed. And his release into the light, finally free of what held him shackled to this world. I watched for a time, mesmerized, so honestly pleased and grateful for their release. Yet, Shocked, as some did not receive a positive outcome. Some were not allowed to move into the light. Some were pulled into the audience. Into the audience to become part of this ritual. To pay and make amends for whatever they needed to clear. What a horrifying plight. I felt vanity and guilt within their lyrics, the words of those that did not move on. I suddenly felt I have witnessed a deep mystery, no longer meant for my eyes to see. I no longer felt drawn to share my song on this stage. It was not my time yet. As I quietly crawled down the ladder, I had that feeling I was being watched. 
It was strong and very upsetting. I felt as if I had just dodged a bullet. That shaky response when one just avoided getting hit by another car. So strong and strange it felt. I stopped and looked upwards, and there was a face staring intently down at me. I had been known. They knew I was there. Another shiver rushed through me as she smiled broadly, a smile I had seen before. I flashed back to high school by the lake I attended as a teenager. It was Halloween time. I was washing my hands in the girls' room after lunch, the room empty except for me. I heard the door open slowly, but took no note and continued my task. I glanced at the door, and there stood a girl, older than me as I could tell from her uniform. She stared at me, just as now, then gave me a toothy smile, brandishing vampire fangs. Shocked, I turned away to finish my hands. Then I felt her breath over my shoulder. I turned eye to eye into her face, teeth still shining. My heart skipped a beat. All I could say was, I see them, and quickly walked out, doubt strong. Could she have been real? The wolfman followed that memory, peeking through a corner at Castello in an old movie, a vision that haunted me often in my youth. That's how I felt, looking up into that face above. Was her appearance good? or not so good, her intention unclear, making me uncertain as I kept descending faster away from her. She did nothing, just looked down at me. I did not want to speak to her, not wanting a replay of my memories. We await your song. She whispered with a smile, and I moved faster, fading down into the darkness. That gave me the proverbial willies. I crawled faster and faster. As I came to the floor below, the ladder continued downwards. This opening was not here when first I came. I do not believe so. On the wall, just below the floor, I could see something drawn in white. I bent down and saw the rune Rido, drawn in white chalk. Equest, its backbone stroke, long and extended downwards into the silence. This the witch's rune, a rune of journeys and rituals. Oh, this took my mind off of the above uncertainty. This be an invitation, oh, for certain. Well, I did want to find out what was below. And down I went, 
Blessings and hugs, dear listeners. Listeners.